Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams, who's back from his hospital bed and into recovery. And we're glad to have him back here on the Volunteer State. We're without Adam Sparks this week, who is uh, taking a little bit of vacation time before the December signing period begins next week. John, feeling better? Doing okay? You had our listeners concerned, I know, your absence. Oh, I'm sure they were, uh, and I felt their I felt their concern from that hospital bed. Now I'm in another bed doing a doing a show, so it's it's changed. It beats. Uh, I was in a, an emergency room from two in the afternoon on Monday until nine thirty the next day. I slept in the supply room of the emergency room. The supply room. My wife and I brought. She spent the night with me. It was a large room, but every now and then when somebody would come by to get some equipment, a couple of couple of towels or something. Was that authorized? You sleeping in a supply closet? <laughs> was it a room or a closet? I mean, what is, what is it? No, no. It was, a, it was a supply. It was a room. It was a big room. It was twice the size of the room I got the next day. Mm. The, nec- the room I got the next day was, in fact, a closet compared to the supply room and there were 15 other people waiting on a bed that night and stayed somewhere in that area i don't know where i just kind of you know we just kind of closed the drapes and tried to shut it all out i'm trying to come up with a pithy transition here but i'm, I'm failing so we'll just forge ahead and get into some bowl comp from from john's hospital supply room to to bowl season uh, tennessee has received a bid to the Music City Bowl in Nashville, where the Vols will play Purdue on December 30th. And John, we've been talking a time or two on this on this podcast. Adam, Adam, and I were talking about it last week, and in, in your absence, projecting into the future. And we've we've always thought that the Music City Bowl was was among the top possibilities for Tennessee, but it also seemed like as Tennessee got up to seven victories, there was a chance of a Florida bowl bid. And the Tennessee fans that I've communicated with, there seems to be a little bit of a of disappointment here. And not disappointed that Tennessee made a bowl, because I think going back to the preseason, every Tennessee fan would have accepted a, a seven-win regular season and, and a bowl trip. But because of, of the momentum that was building, there was a lot of Vols fans, I think, that were hoping for that Florida bowl bid. What's your take on this? Should Tennessee be you know, welcoming the Music City Bowl here with, with open arms and see this as a worthy reward uh, for this season? Or, or do you think it's fair to have some, some disappointment that, um, that Tennessee won't be leaving, leaving the borders and, and heading south for a bowl game? I guess when you put it in terms of reward, there's really not a whole lot of difference in playing in one of those Florida Bowls and, and the Music City Bowl. The difference is a flip, uh, trip to Florida in the wintertime. And I think I think that's what Tennessee fans find so appealing. Jacksonville, Florida, where Tennessee's been la- twice in the last few years uh, to the Gator Bowl, that's the northernmost part of Florida, but it still seems pretty far south for Tennessee fans. And you got a beach right there. So I think they look forward to that. I think a lot of Tennessee fans like going to the beach because there's not one right nearby. They go to Myrtle Beach a lot, and a lot of them go down to Panama City, uh, wherever in Florida, I think there would have had a few, a huge following of Tennessee fans to a Florida bowl and they can go to Nashville anytime. 
But in terms of a reward, I see this as a, a pretty much a perfect fit for Tennessee. You get to play a mid-level Big Ten team, easy travel, get a chance to win an eighth game, and that would make Coach Josh Heupel uh, the first first-year coach to win eight games since uh, Philip Fulmer way back in 1993. So mm. those are significant things. I just think that's a um, a favorable bowl opponent for Tennessee and Purdue. So when you say reward, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a fun trip? Or are you looking to help recruiting? Or are you trying to win another game? I think it's a great chance for Tennessee to win another game. That's a good point. I, I think entering this conversation, there's sort of the difference between are you a fan or are you a member of, of the, the program or a, a coach, member of the athletic department? Because yeah, you're right. Fans, they want that trip to the um, to the sunshine and to the beach. I remember you know, being down there. I was, I was down at the Gator Bowl for six days um, to culminate that 2019 season. You know, The teams go down there early and they have practice media availability. I felt like I was a a sort of a, a de facto resident of, of North Florida by the time I, I left. And I, I was able to squeeze in a couple trips to the beach myself at, at your recommendation, went up to Fernandina Beach, Amelia Island. And, and um, you know, it's the off season around the first of the year. So it's it's sort of sparse, sparse on the beach. But I did come across some Tennessee fans while you're up there. And, and so, like you said, and I'm sure if I would have been at Jacksonville Beach, I would have ran into even more. Tennessee fans. Vols fans love the beach, and I think they would have welcomed a trip to the Sunshine State. But as a program, you're not spending time on the beach. You know, I mean, like this, it's like an outdated <laughs> reference to think of like, you know, these old television segments of like the players marching around in their swim trunks and enjoying some time. Like these guys aren't doing a lot of that on these bowl trips. You know, the, the coach has got them, you know, in meetings and practices and, and what have you. So, you know, from a program standpoint, I think it doesn't matter so much whether you're headed to the beach or whether you're headed to, you know, to Nashville or, and I think the recruiting thing gets overblown a little bit too. Um, I think that mattered more when you didn't have so many games on national television and communication, you know, you couldn't do zoom calls or FaceTime calls with, with recruits. I, I think maybe playing bowls in a particular city maybe used to matter more in recruiting than they do now, but just in terms of momentum for the program, Tennessee wants an eighth win. They want to go into, you know, go into this offseason at eight and five and not and uh, and not seven and six. And with that best first year record for a new coach since since Philip Fulmer. So yeah, I think from that perspective, this is a decent draw for Tennessee because Purdue's been up and down. Tennessee's had a good history in recent years against the Big Ten and bowl games. So if you if you take out the the fan element and go into the beach, then I think all of a sudden you say, yeah, this is this is a decent draw for Tennessee. For some reason, and maybe it's just me, but I look at the difference in seven and four in eight and five. It it just uh seven seven and six. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. My math is Well you don't lacking. count the losses against like Florida and Alabama become so regular. They they don't count, right? So Well yeah. here's the thing. If you look at that seven and six, eight and five Eight and five just looks a lot better than seven and six to me. It's only one game, but I guess maybe it's because a lot of teams end up seven and six. You know, a lot of six and six teams make a bowl game, and and some of them win that bowl game. And uh, 
some don't, but with the ones that win end up seven and six. I, I just uh and and some teams go in at seven and five and lose in their seven and six. So I just think I think that gives Tennessee a, a little separation. And and I think Tennessee's gotten that already during the regular season. Because it's it's kind of moving it's not bunched up now to in my mind with Missouri and Vanderbilt and South Carolina or even Kentucky, which re- whose record looks much better. But we know that Tennessee beat Kentucky head to head and played a tougher schedule. Kentucky, play, yeah, can, they just skate their way to nine wins. It's very well conceived how they get to nine wins. So, yeah, I just think Tennessee is moving into a different class. And I think it's doing that during the regular season within the conference, in the div- within the division. And I think it can do that in going from seven and six to eight and five. I don't think that gets you in the top twenty-five, does it? Do you think that gets? I, but it, it gets you on. It gets you in the conversation. I, I, think. I think. I think if Tennessee were playing, I don't think Purdue's ranked. Correct? Am I, am I wrong? There? No, I don't think not. Purdue's ranked. It's, it's eight and four. I don't think it is. Yeah, if they were playing a team that was hanging around at the end of the top twenty-five poll, which I think was a possibility, you know, in some of the projections, Purdue is not ranked, by the way. In some of the projections, it, it would have it would have had them against a top 25 team. If you could then beat that team, then I, and I think you're ranked. I, I think if you, if you beat a, a Clemson or a Wisconsin, maybe, you know, in, in the, in a bowl game, I think in finish eight and five, I think you have a chance to sneak in there at like 24, 25. I don't think you probably get ranked by beating Purdue, which I suppose is, is maybe the one of the unfortunate things of, of this draw. But well, I don't know that it makes that much difference in the, big picture of the program and its future the difference between eight and five and seven and six i think how in the moment you evaluate the season there is a there is a significant difference there and i think part of the reason of that for me is is just sort of the recent history for tennessee i mean you know if josh heupel gets to eight and five in year one he's already matched jeremy pruitt's best record in three seasons Pruitt won eight games that was that was his high point and and as we've talked about before on this podcast this would be a better eight win season than what Pruitt's would be I think as a whole because there was no loss to Georgia State and there was a, a win over a top 25 opponent and then you go back further than that I mean Butch Jones had a seven win season in year two but he needed till year three to surpass seven wins Derek Dooley of course he never he never got to eight wins, but eight wins would also put you past where Lane Kiffin was. So I think, yeah, to me, part of the difference between seven wins and eight wins is just viewed through the lens of, of this program's history for the last, you know, dozen or so years, eight wins is, is somewhere where I think you can really plant your flag in, in year one, more so than, than a seven and six season. I also think Blake, if you get the eight wins, maybe you're not in the top 25, probably aren't in the top 25, but you draw an opponent right at the bottom of the top 25. Uh, you mentioned a couple of teams. You not you might not win that game. I mean, I think you have a better shot at beating Purdue than you would if you're playing Clemson or Wisconsin. For that reason, I just think it's a very favorable draw. It's against an opponent that can't run the ball and throws the ball. So you're not going to have to worry about ball possession. You're going to get your plays in. I think this is a real good, uh, a real good matchup for Tennessee and a real good 
bet for uh, Tennessee fans who want to maybe pay for their bowl trip over to Nashville hotel room. Yeah, you used to have to add the disclaimer of we're not encouraging anyone to gamble. But with online gambling now, John, we don't have to add that disclaimer. You need some extra money for the holidays. That's where you go get it. You bet it. Yeah, words of wisdom from a guy who doesn't gamble, right? Right. Well, we hope you think that this podcast isn't a, isn't a gamble, but is uh, is something you can rely on every week. And if you think so, hopefully you already subscribe to the Volunteer State. If you don't, it would mean a lot of a, a lot to us if you go ahead and click subscribe or follow. If you like what you hear, you can give us a rating or review. Those ratings and reviews help us get in front of more listeners. A couple of positive ratings would be a nice way to welcome Adam back into the podcast next week. I'm wondering, though, Blake, if we get higher ratings when Adam's not here. I mean, that might affect That's him true. in a negative manner. I don't want to insult him. He does a great job. So, Speaking of high ratings, John, you've been a columnist for a couple of lifetimes now. I'm still adjusting to this, moved into this columnist role in, in the spring, but I'm finding that you know opinions, you better not be too tied to them because they could change about it in a week's time. And I think you're better off changing your opinion. If you find out that maybe you were wrong rather than just dying on the Hill and going down with the ship. But I'm trying to remember exactly what my opinion was the Josh Heupel hire back in, in, um, in late January when it happened, I, I think as memory serves, my thought was, well, it's okay. You know, Tennessee didn't knock it out of the park by any means, but this wasn't a, this wasn't a whiff either and and given the circumstances of an NCA investigation and and the late January timeline here eh probably probably about as good as Tennessee could hope to do in in this circumstance so maybe like a C plus I don't know if I was giving a grade I don't remember what I graded would have graded it but somewhere around there so do you think is it is it time to say were we wrong on this hire or why was I wrong with, with that stance did we undervalue it? Is it till is it still too early to be, you know, heaping the praise upon Josh Heupel? Nice job this season, but do we need some more time? What comes in year two, year three? How does recruiting go? What is your stance as we sit here now uh, on on Heupel? Well, first of all, I would prefer to scrutinize what you said way back before the, when the hire was I, made. Then, I'm sure you would. Yeah. Then scrutinize what I said. Uh-huh. No, actually, I think we're probably, you know, on the same track there. Um, and I, you can't tell. I mean, I think Tennessee fans are really encouraged by the season, and they should be. I mean, this guy can coach. We know that. We found that out. So <laughs> that's a that's a step up for Tennessee football. Where, where fans can feel confident going into their get to, going into a game at the thought that their coach might outcoach the other guy. I don't think they've thought that much in the past. I mean, it was you hoped you had enough talent to prevail, but I don't think you thought you were going to outguru anybody. And I think they feel that way with Josh Eipel. The cautionary tale, I guess, would be John the eight win season Tennessee had in 2019, because you recall on the heels of that season, Jeremy Pruitt had Tennessee fans eating out of the palm of his hand. And Philip Fulmer was roaring at recruiting events that the Vols are back. (laughs) 
so that that would be my cautionary tale of let's let's pump the brakes just a little bit um you know tennessee awarded just an an unnecessary and ignorant contract extension and raise to jeremy pruitt on the heels of that eight win season and then was left to try to find a way out of that contract and fired him for for cause when they when they decided you know just a, a handful of months later that no this this guy was actually a doofus. We don't we don't want him as a coach anymore. Um, so that would be my only cautionary tale. Now I'm not comparing Heupel to to Pruitt. I I I think that's an unfair comparison to make. I just think let's let's give it a a little more runway than this um, before before you start signing guys to tenure contracts but who knows that's that's the way of college football these days you know with with michigan state throwing a 10-year deal out there to mel tucker for 95 million dollars I, I guess that's all it takes these days in college football to get you a, a lifetime contract is is one good season but that still seems to me a little bit overreactionary overcorrection um let's call it what it is it was a good debut for josh hypo and let's see what comes around the corner fair enough what do you think uh, yeah uh, agreed and here's one thing that you should that's worth mentioning is that yeah, Josh Heupel had a nice season. He exceeded expectations, but I think most people thought Tennessee would go six and six, but he didn't have a lot of talent to work with and his offense functioned very well. And it's a offensive era we went, we're in, but despite all that, it wasn't as though other schools were, were beating down his door, trying to hire him. I mean, this isn't, this isn't Lincoln Riley here. Uh, so, I got emails from a lot of fans who were concerned that Oklahoma might you know, might take Josh Heupel after Lincoln Riley left, but uh, I assured them that that wouldn't happen. You know, we j- we don't know where this thing is headed, but I think when you look at what we've observed this year, just kind of forget the record. If you just observe jo- Josh Heupel and observe, I, I mean, we got to we do have to. It's it's not good to mention somebody in the same sentence with Jeremy Pruitt, but sometimes you just need to do it for comparison's sake. But even though Jeremy Pruitt had that that winning streak, went eight and five and won the first two games of the next season, even even though he did that, that very same year, you can't forget how that season started with a loss to 25-point underdog Georgia State followed by a loss on blown coverage in the final minutes to BYU. So there was that was a mitigating factor, even, even though you say, okay, things are looking up. I, so I just feel like there's nothing to point to. The only thing I can point to really negative about this season with Heupel is he started the wrong quarterback. And I think that cost him the Pittsburgh game. If he'd started Hendon Hooker instead of Joe Milton to begin the season, I think Tennessee wins that game. That's the only thing I can point to. There's no horrendous loss. I mean, South Alabama didn't come in here and upset Tennessee. John, as most of our listeners hopefully know by now, we also do another podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered. So while this is is mostly a Tennessee podcast, we're talking all things SEC Stepping away from Tennessee and looking at at the bowl picture through a bigger lens, which SEC bowl matchup or matchup involving an SEC team interests you most? And I'm going to add these these couple caveats. You can't pick Tennessee's bowl. We've already talked about that. And you can't pick 
any of the two, either of the two semifinals. You can't pick Alabama, Cincinnati. You can't pick uh, Georgia, Michigan. So removing those three from the, the list of multiple choices, which one of these bowl games involving an SEC team are you most intrigued by, most interested to see? Well, there's a couple. One, uh, Mike Leach at Mississippi State going against Texas Tech, where he first made a name of it for himself as a head coach with the air raid offense. Uh, But a better matchup than that, and I think one of the best bowls of the postseason, assuming everybody comes back and plays in the game that's supposed to, is uh, Ole Miss and Baylor. Mm -hmm. I mean, Baylor won the Big 12 championship. And it won it with defense. It won it against a really good Oklahoma State team was inches away from crashing that uh, playoff party and knocking Cincinnati right out of it. So, And I think Dave Aranda is one of the best, best defensive head coaches in the game, matched up against Ole Miss's Lane Kiffin, one of the best offensive coaches in the game. So I, I think it's – I really like that matchup in that game. Yeah, that that would be my choice of of you know with those disclaimers out of the way is is that Sugar Bowl matchup with with Ole Miss and Baylor, but a couple more more so from the undercard that I think are are a couple of real treats better than we deserve, frankly, is for a six and six Florida team to be assigned to the Gasparilla Bowl against UCF. I think that's really spicy. I mean, as much as the Gasparilla Bowl ever matters. To have Florida against UCF in a bowl game, I, I think that's that's pretty intriguing. Um, that's that's good stuff. And, and then another one. So the, the SEC had too many bowl qualifying teams this year. Everybody but Vanderbilt qualified for a bowl. So you had to expand beyond just your typical bowl games that SEC teams get sent to to have everybody for an outlet. And so Missouri sort of drew the short straw. But I don't. It's a short straw in the way that it's not a typical SEC bowl game, and and also for Missouri, this game happens on the same time slot as their one of their marquee basketball games against against Illinois in the Bragg and Rights game. But nobody wants to watch Missouri basketball this year; they've been terrible. And so, the bowl game I think is actually kind of fun. It's in the Armed Forces Bowl against Army, and I just I always like watching Army go up against those Power Five teams in, in a bowl game. Was was looking forward. Uh, to Tennessee Army next year, but Tennessee ducked them and and canceled them as we've talked about <laughs> before. So we won't have an opportunity to see Tennessee play play Army. But Missouri didn't didn't get a chance to duck them. Uh, they're gonna have to play Army and in, in the Armed Forces Bowl. I, I think that's probably a you know when you just say okay six and six Missouri's going to a bowl game. Would I normally tune in? Maybe not. But the fact that they're playing Army, I think that's that's a good one. And and again, with six and six Florida, would I normally tune in? I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't care. But the fact they're going against UCF, I think I think that uh, is is pretty uh, pretty interesting. Good points because I think in, for UCF, beating Florida would be a really big deal. And never mind that Florida's down, fired its coach. It's still Florida. That would be a big deal for UCF. I love the Army Missouri matchup because we saw Missouri's defense against the run all year long. Couldn't stop hardly anybody. It stopped a couple of teams, surprisingly. But Army's going to run that triple option and run it and run it and run it. Missouri might not get the ball, but about five or six times in that game. All right, look forward to the bowl season, John. We'll have more to discuss in terms of Music City Bowl, I'm sure. 
as it approaches, and we look forward to getting Adam back in the saddle next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.